Hello, hello, and welcome to the Body Talks Back with me, Sarah Romeo White. It's episode two, which is so crazy. We're officially in it, <laughs> um, which I have lots of feelings about. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited. And obviously, if you're just coming to this on this episode, definitely go back and listen to the first one. Um, or not, you know, do what you please, but it is up there for you to listen to if you'd like. Um, so today I have a conversation with my good friend, Janir Martinez, um, and I was really excited about this conversation for multiple reasons. Um, Janira is a health coach, desired-based life coach, and um, the main reason why I'm really excited to talk to her and the biggest topic we talk about is she is an orgasmic meditation teacher um, or they, or ohm, it's called OM. You'll hear it referred to mostly as OM. Um, so I was really a little, even though Janira is my really good friend, I was a little nervous about having this conversation um, mainly because sex is, is a topic that's uncomfortable for me um due to past traumas and things that I you know have just dealt with in my life and just you know being a woman and a human being I don't think you know as a society sex tends to be pretty uncomfortable for most people to talk about um but I you know had seen how much this had this uh, modality has helped Janira. And even though for me, when I heard about it initially, it flipped me out a little bit. I hadn't heard it, heard about it through Janira. I had heard, heard about it, uh, secondhand. So I really wanted to kind of give her the opportunity to, to talk about it and give more information about the practice and the process. Um, self partially selfishly for me because I was interested in just hearing more. Um, but also because, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned through being a seeker and being on this journey of healing, this healing path, um, is that, you know, different healing modalities work for different people. And even if, you know, this is maybe not something that I personally would, would do, I see how much that this, helps her has helped her I see the growth um and the healing that has happened which is massively huge um and so I wanted to hear more about it because I think when you have the opportunity of seeing someone who you love um heal greatly um uh you know you want to know more about how that happened <laughs> um and also I wanted to be able to share with you guys um, or have her share with you guys more about it because then it gives you an opportunity to, you know, make the decision for yourself. And if it is something that you feel calls to you or ha you have interest in, um, then you can contact Janira. Uh, Janira's website is JaniraMartinez.com. She has all of her information on there. Um, other than being the orgasmic meditation teacher, she's an amazing health and life coach. Um, we both went through the same schooling uh, at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And um, so we talk a lot about kind of her process of uh, going from health coach to life coach to doing the OM stuff and how she integrates all of that. Uh, and, and, you know, just know that with working with Janir, and you'll hear this more throughout the um, episode in the conversation, that just because she does ohm doesn't mean that you have to um she works on so many different levels she's really incredible and i highly recommend her um 
and yeah, so I, if, if we actually recorded, sorry, we recorded this episode, uh, before the Me Too movement started, probably like a couple months before. Um, And, you know, I really think that it's important for us to have more conversations about sex and sexual trauma, but also ways in which people are getting their power back from going through these things. And I know for uh, Janira and and other people in the own community that this seems to be a way in which people have done that. Um, So, you know, I think that's incredible, and um, and it's just another tool that you can add uh, to your list of things to look into if you want, uh, if you are healing in that way. So definitely listen to this conversation with an open mind, um, and uh, if you're uncomfortable hearing about this stuff, we do you know, Janera does go into detail about the practice. So just know that going into it and take care of yourself and do what you need to do, whether it's turning the the episode off or, you know, whatever. Um, We do talk about sexual trauma. uh, So just keep all of that in mind um, and do what's best for you. Um, I do want to call myself out. Um, I do kind of fall back on the binary of gender in this episode more so than I usually do. So I just want to say that. Um, and, uh, from what Janira has told me, you know, all, all, all spectrums of the gender can, um, benefit from this practice again, if it's something that you feel, uh, you'd like to do. So, um, I apologize uh, for any non-binary folk out there, um, and you are not discluded from this, so definitely keep listening. Um, So, yeah, so thanks again to Janira. Uh, She spoke so openly and honestly about this and shared a lot of her story, Um, and I really am so grateful for that. Um, And... If you want to reach out to her after this, please do so. You can find her on social media. Again, check out her website, JaniraMartinez.com. This information will be in the description of the episode. Um, I'll always put the, whoever I'm talking to, I'll always put their information in that um, section. Um, So look out for it. Um, And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did and learn as much as I did because I really, uh, more than anything, I learned a lot. So um, enjoy. All right, guys. Bye. One of my intentions behind wanting to do this podcast was to provide to bring people on in my life who I know have gone through their own healing journey, especially with their bodies. Um, and also who are working professionally in the healing world, uh, using different types of modalities of healing. And I feel like the modality that, that, I mean, I may be wrong on this, but that you seem to be most focused in right now, I find very interesting and I, I don't really know all that much about it. So I, I also on a selfish level, would love to hear more of your story and journey into that. Um, so, so yeah, um, I guess wherever you want to start. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I should just say, like, I guess what I do, what mm-hmm. I'm doing now. Um, I mean, I, I'm a health and life coach, and I work with women mostly to transform their health in a way that actually goes beyond just the physical health, like, and symptoms. So 
what I do is help them go to the root source of what has created the symptoms. And we look at both the, the physical underlying causes and the emotional underlying causes. And right now I'm working a lot more, like I, I used to have a focus on a heavily like nutrition based right. and, and detox based work, but I'm looking more and focusing more on, uh, emotions, sexuality, pleasure, you know, communication, asking for what you want and finding that that is like a, a secret key or gateway to moving energy in the body and promoting and accelerating healing. So how did you get to that transition from working with nutrition? And I'll just say we both went through the same yes. program, the I. I-I-N. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I started as yeah. a health coach. And I mean, actually, prior to being a health coach, I was a fashion photographer. Yes. And Which is a whole other, like, right. body. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Focused mm-hmm. on, on body and image and beauty, but obviously in a, in a different way. You yeah. Know, just, like, superficially. Um, but I made the transition from that to, to health coaching because of my own uh, journey to improve my own health. I mean, I was suffering from a lot of health conditions that, you know, were manageable for a time period where, where I could ignore them for a time period. Mm-hmm. And then they just, you know, got louder and louder. And on the, on the physical, on realm? the physical yeah. level. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was chronic fatigue. It was IBS. It was, you know, really bad acne. It was, um, hormonal imbalances, like just you name it, like I probably had it. The list was really long. Mm-hmm. And um, it just started to impact my everyday life, like where I couldn't work in the same manner that I was used to. Cause I, I needed five cups of coffee in order to be able right. to, to engage in like a regular day, you know? Um, so I started investigating ways to fix myself, heal myself. I, I didn't really think of it as healing then. I just mm-hmm. wanted to feel, feel better. better. Yeah. And started discovering a lot of alternative health um, uh, information and, you know, doing a million things and going to a million people and eventually finding IIN and, you know, adapting their principles into my own life. Stubbornly refusing, by the way, to acknowledge that this was a program to train people to be coaches. Right. I was like, I'm not (laughs) doing that. You know, I'm a photographer, but falling in love with it along the way. So, so yes, yeah, so I became a health coach and I've been doing that along with the specific nutritional testing technique. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause you do a lot of different levels of the, you, what is the, you do Kalana, right? You, or you I were doing do it. Yeah. You were doing, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you've gone through like a bunch of different, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Iterations of, of this thing. But um, all still related the, with the body. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so there's the health coaching component, which is talking to clients as you know right like talking to them about their nutrition their diet uh, making small incremental you know changes around that and also looking at lifestyle factors like Mm -hmm. stress and um you know somewhat dealing with emotional stuff but the nutritional testing which is the bulk of my work and what i used to then health coach people around into implementing sort of in their lives was mostly like testing for things like um, imbalances in the body. So microbial infections from yeast, candida, parasites, all of that, to t- specific toxins like chemicals and metals, 
that are burdening the body and even finding out what specific parts of the body they're affecting, the thyroid, the adrenals, the liver, whatever, and then putting people on customized protocols with herbs and supplements to, to address all of that mm-hmm. and, and regain the body's health. But so actually this is part of my transition story. So that's the thing that really helped me um, regain my health to an extent, to a large extent. And what I found with my own journey and then with my clients as well is that that you hit a wall with that eventually. Right. You're just focusing only on the physical. Right. Either like people get better and then they regress somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, the old habits come back, you know, and, and then they, even if the toxins are eliminated, like they create a breeding ground for all of that to, mm-hmm. to come back. Or they just have a really hard time just like cutting out all these things from their life and right. like being, you know, like powered by, um, what's the word, you know, just like, can't think of the word um well removing all yeah norm, all it's just by coping force. mechanisms yeah. that it's, they've known exactly forever. exactly yeah. so what i realized is that, oh there's there's a lot more behind this for myself yeah. i was like greatly addicted sh- to sugar and i would try to like willpower that's what i was looking for mm-hmm. i would try to willpower my way through doing my own detox and going through that process myself and realize whenever anything would trigger me, especially loneliness and sadness, I would go right back to my old habits. Right. And eventually, you know, through exploring spirituality and you know, yoga and meditation, all these things, I just got a glimpse as to what was really going on inside. And it was all this emotional suppression. Like, I mean, all emotions mm-hmm. just being suppressed. I, I was trying for I don't know, the bulk of my adult life to just be at this like equilibrium of emotions, like not let anything affect me. I am like... How'd that go? You know, yeah, you know, superhuman Buddha, like, all, you know, no matter what happens, you throw a bullet at me mm-hmm. or a bomb. I'm, I'm, even kill, even yeah, kill. Cool, you know, the guy cheats on me, no problem. No big, like, no big. And, and so, I, so I realized there was a lot of um, emotional suppression. But to be honest, you know, I... I tried to fix it just by like positive affirmations mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, like, you know, reading self-help books, mm-hmm. like, you know, like positive thinking, a lot of like just like stuff that I call the ascendant path. I tried to take this ascendant path to mm-hmm. like fix myself and like right self-help, improve yeah. and be happy. I think I've told you this before that I have a, uh, a meditation teacher who I worked with for a long time who he used to call it yoga-ing over things. Totally. Yeah. Spiritual bypass yeah, is spiritual what I bypass. Yes, yeah, same it's thing. Like, I didn't realize that that's what I was yeah. doing. And it would work for a while. But why would, was it that um, there were a lot of times where something something would get triggered and then I, it, I would feel like I was right back where I started with the yeah. rage and the anger and the heavy sadness Sometimes but it, it felt, couldn't let it out. Yeah, sometimes it would, I, in my experience, sometimes it felt worse yes. because there is this added level of, well, I'm doing the work, so why am I such a failure? Like, yes. I'm failing at this too. Like, I can't yes. even, like, you know, yes. whatever you want to call it. But yeah. Exactly, yeah. And that's, so I was a really harsh critic of myself yeah. in, that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever those things uh, would crop back up, the emotions, basically, I would judge myself. Like, how have I not, like been able to just 
release this. Right. Um, <laughs> I've gone to all the classes. Right. I've read exactly. all the books. And I've, I've visualized. <laughs> I've healed. Right. I've visualized <laughs> everything floating away on a cloud a yeah. million times. <laughs> and it's all there. But the breaking point for me was, so I, I had really improved my physical health, maybe like 80%. And, um, and honestly, I had released some of those habits, like sugar addiction and just like some, I don't know, like doing me really extreme things with my diet, like detox mm-hmm. and, and like following really strict regimented diets. And I, I think I had found more balance, but I didn't really acknowledge that I was using other tools, not tools, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, other things. Yeah, of course you can curse. <laughs> <laughs> but I was using other um, outlets that weren't so healthy to manage my emotions and really uh, the biggest one was sex mm-hmm. empty casual meaningless sex I mean like tons of it um, and you know I have no problem with casual sex uh, and the way I was doing it was in a really unhealthy way where I was getting zero satisfaction mm-hmm. from it I was doing it because I like Again, the loneliness, the mm-hmm. sadness, it, you know, and I didn't like approach it from that place. I thought like, oh, I'm like this modern woman. I don't need a man. I can just enjoy, you know, like sex for my own pleasure, even though it would never be pleasurable because right. it was empty. And so I was go. I was just like having this series of casual, meaningless encounters that each time would leave me feeling empty, angry, bitter, and resentful mm-hmm. at, at men. And, um... I eventually, you know, like, I think maybe with the help of a friend or something, like, put together a list of what I actually wanted, you know, for my for my life, and part of that included love and relationships, and I just, like, did this whole thing around the type of man I wanted and, like, what I really wanted to call in, and so that woke me up to the fact that what I was doing was not at all in, in, in alignment yeah. with what I wanted. Have you ever seen Practical Magic? I haven't. Okay. No. What is that? She like it's this movie from the nineties, maybe early two thousands, like Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. It's a bit, yeah, I, I, it's I like a witch. It. It's a witch movie. Okay. I love it. <laughs> but she does the list of like her the attributes of her perfect man. Yes. She's a she is a, a it's a family of witches. Yes. And like yeah, I don't know. That just made me think of that. I'm, I'm going <laughs> you know, to add it to my list. <laughs> yeah. Um. You're going to watch it, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> no, that's so good. I just started watching like movies and TV again. So. Oh, it's like a rom-com, that's but great. with a witch underline. Awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so I decided to work on this as like my next thing. And I did end up actually, you know, allowing myself I did end up dating people mm-hmm. allowing myself to, to to go into something that was more emotionally you know connected because I had been in avoidance for a long time and um, I remember I met a great guy really sweet emotionally available because most of the men that I even did allow myself to date you know because it wasn't only just casual sex like once in a while that little like quiet, you know desire that mm-hmm. I was trying to shove down would would like you know, make its way to the surface, and I would allow myself to date, but I would, of course, choose men who just weren't at all in alignment with what I really wanted. Um, And so, anyway, I met a really great guy, and he, 
I, I just found every reason to judge him as boring, as like not the right fit, whatever. And so it just it lasted like two months and then that ended. And then I met another great guy who I ended up dating for a while. But it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, at, th- at that point I thought, well, maybe something's wrong with me. Because he was like, not just a great guy, he was like the checklist. Right. I, just, I really, when I told my story, and I tell my story of how I got into the work I do now with um, Ohm, which I'll talk about in mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm always like the, the checklist man. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was everything that I wanted on the list, like emotionally available, like um, he- you know, healthy, really successful. He lived nearby, which was big for me because <laughs> the relationships that I had been in, we're all long distance. Like really long distance, right? Where they were in other countries. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like Turkey. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I did travel a lot. So I've met people on my travels. But like one guy was in Istanbul, one guy in London. And not at the same time. But you know, <laughs> different relationships. Another one, like I did meet here. But then he ended up traveling around the world for a year. So it's just like super long distance. Yeah. One was a soldier. So one back to Afghanistan. So it's just like. Clearly, I was in deep avoidance. I said, I want somebody who lives nearby, who's not planning on moving anytime (laughs) soon, anywhere. Um, So anyway, you know, he had all the things. And I just couldn't, like, feel it. I couldn't get into it. But at that point, I was like, maybe there's something going on with me here. Mm -hmm. Because clearly, this guy is great. And I stayed in it. And the thing that happened after a few months was just like I judged myself harshly for not being able to enjoy this amazing thing, and I like so basically if I just tell you the the real raw thing, yeah, go it's just like do it. We we every time we had sex, I just felt empty and disconnected, just like as if I was casually mm-hmm. having sex with someone, even though I was in a relationship with this man, and. Um, it got to the point where one night I just literally just laid there. You know, like I, I, there were moments prior to that I would try to fantasize or find a way to enjoy it, you know, do certain mechanisms. And I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't will myself. And so I laid there and I just let him use me, you yeah. know. And he, when he was done, I just rolled over and I felt empty and I felt heavy and I felt sad I felt that like heat coursing through my body you know like when you're about to cry and it's rising up through your chest and your throat and your face and I couldn't cry but I just laid there and I felt it all like all the knots and all the pain just like clenched inside of me and I couldn't sleep the whole night I laid next to him and the next morning I just told him because I I don't know something in me like felt like had just bubbled up to the surface and Mm -hmm. I told him what I'd been feeling what I felt that night and what I'd been feeling all these months I made it all about the sex like I think something's wrong with me I can't enjoy it like I've never had this experience before Um, because what I want to say is like even though I had all that casual sex previously um, I could find a way to climax Mm -hmm. like through fantasy and again through certain mechanisms even so even if there was no emotional connection and at the end, I would be resentful because there was no emotional connection. Right. But I could physically enjoy it for a brief moment. And with him, you know, so I, I made it all about the sex. And I said, you know, so I think I'm broken. And I didn't really say all the things about, I think you're boring. And I don't right. yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. But um, maybe checklists are <laughs> the way to find a man. <laughs> but um, 
he was like, oh, wow, you should. Um, he was very sympathetic. It was, it was actually great. And he's like, you should check out orgasmic meditation. Oh, uh, so he was the person. Who, wow. Well, okay. he was the last person in a series of people that had told me about it. Okay. So if I rewind, actually, I had a health coaching client two years prior to that that had one day on the phone, like after a couple months of working together, just told me she had found something amazing that was changing her life. Mind you, we had spoken two weeks prior, so like literally in two weeks she found something that was changing her life, right. and it was orgasm meditation. But at the time when she told me about it, I just like, I literally I describe it as like blacking out. Like I just heard her said, "Wow, that's great," and like checked out. Like mm-hmm. I don't remember anything if she described it or not. I just remember like shutting down when she said it and mm-hmm. just dismissing it. And then. Um, I think a year, a year and a half later, when I started to, like, again, let myself date, um, I heard about it from a few different men. But wow. I, and I actually learned what, what the heck it was, right. which is, you know, orgasm meditation is this 15-minute partnered practice where uh, one person strokes the clitoris mm-hmm. of the other person with no goal other than to feel whatever arises, whatever sensations arise in each of their bodies for that period of time. And... Um, Anyway, so I heard about it, but still, like, thought it was weird. Like, I was like, I don't need that. I have plenty of sex. Like, you know, nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. I was not in a place where I could acknowledge what was wrong. And, you know, so finally I'm in this relationship and, like, I can no longer let myself fantasize. I can no longer just, like, use my old tricks and mechanisms and literally, like, I'm using sex as an outlet for all my emotions. And I have this even, this night where, I feel like, all of this emotion wants to come up and I can't even release it. Yeah. It's just stuck. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm desperate. I got to do something. Because I, I literally, I just felt broken. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to a lecture or something and I just sat in the back. And it wasn't even about, like, the practice. It was about this one guy's story with his family and how it transformed his relationship to Hmm. his family which like he had had uh, his father like murdered his mother when he was a child he had a severe like you know like trauma and actually like healed his relationship with his father like in forgiveness like ohm the orgasmic meditation did this so I was just sitting there like what the hell is this I don't know but I need it Uh because it was just bringing up like through my mind was flashing all the things that I had been pushing, which was like my own trauma, my own relationship with my family, which is wrought with like physical violence, emotional abuse, you know, my my brother in and out of jail, just like a lot of Mm -hmm. heavy stuff. And um, I was like, I need this. I was like, whatever classes you have, the intro, like (laughs) I was like, sign me up for everything. They're like, slow down, we'll just do the intro and then we'll see. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I learned to ohm and actually my first ohm, um, I cried afterwards for 15, what am I saying? After the 15 minutes, excuse me, I left the room. It was, it was in a group setting at the time and it was at the intro class and I left the room when we wrapped the class and I just walked out and I started sobbing uncontrollably Mm -hmm. and I hadn't cried for 12 years Mm. like so that night of like oh I couldn't cry was just like highlighting like all of the stuff that I had been feeling for however long and then the dam broke 
after that first dome where literally all I did was lay there for 15 minutes and, and try to feel. And actually I was just in my head the whole time. Like I said yes to a guy that who asked me to own who I wanted to say no to. And I was laying there hating him. I was laying there hating men. All my resentment toward men was coming up. All I could feel was the tightness of my jaw. I could feel nothing in my clitoris, mm. nothing in my genitals. And it just brought all of this anger and rage to the surface. And, you know, we ended the ohm, I put my pants back on, you know, we closed up in the class. I was just holding it all together. But as soon as I stepped out, that's it. I mean, something in me had been touched mm -hmm. and it was ready to burst. And so I remember having a conversation with one of the teachers after the class, or two of the teachers actually. Interestingly enough, my old client was one of the teachers. She was working there. While you, so, for your first session? She, yeah, for the intro class. Yeah, she was wow. the teacher that Did day. Did you so. know that when, or you just walked in and she was there? I, I knew that she was working for them at the time. I didn't know she'd be teaching, oh, but it was like crazy. full circle. And so the one who told me about right, it, it was yeah. her. So I sat with them and I remember being like, I don't want to ever do this practice again. Like, it's weird. I don't want men touching me. Um, I hate this. I hate, I hate men. But there's something here. Like, I haven't cried like that in, you know, however long. So I want to keep coming and just like learning about what you do. And I, sh I showed up for two months just for lectures and events and like would run out. Like I would run in late, mm -hmm. would run out as soon as it would end because something in that space was like triggering all this stuff in me. Like I felt like people could see me there and feel me mm -hmm. or like something in me just wanted to come out while I was in that space. And so it was overwhelming. And normally I'm a socially, a social butterfly. Yeah. But yeah. in there I just like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't sit next to me. Like, yeah. Well, there's also a level of, there's a lot of vulnerability and yes. fear and everything that's attached exactly. with that. That I mean, I exactly. can't even imagine. Yeah, I would also be running out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I get it now, you mm -hmm. know, when new people come in and, and feel that. But, um, you know, fast forward, it's like I finally uh, let myself start practicing slowly with, you know, people I felt comfortable with mm -hmm. bit by bit, you know, created a practice, a regular practice. Did it teach you to say no to like oh the God. people that you were like, this is not, you're not the person? No. So okay, yeah. there's a whole thing around that. Maybe before I answer that, I'll, because it taught me so much, but like what I want to say, it's like, it taught me like just how much I had been trying to like control and manage my life. Like, uh-huh. And my emotions and how like much that suppression of everything cr created like the physical manifestations of the symptoms that I mm -hmm. ended up having. And, um, you know, I, I reached a whole nother level with my health, my happiness, my like level of like confidence, like just as a woman, as a sexual being, like everything has totally transformed mm -hmm. how deep I can go with women, with men. How I can let love in, in now and in, and have intimacy and connection with people? It's unreal. So that so that's how I have bridged the you know like the nutrition thing into like now working with people and the emotions right. and integrating not necessarily OM because some of my clients or many don't even end up learning the practice, but right. integrating the principles of letting yourself feel in order Absolutely. to in order to heal. Yeah. Um, I also think that. Um, 
everyone needs something different. Yeah. And it's like um, incredible that you found like the thing that you needed right now to really break that and kind of get to that place. But it's I think it's also really amazing and really important to point out of how great of a coach you are that you're not then pushing that onto other people where it's like, right. here's a tool that works for me. Do with it what you will. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's so important with coaching to understand like, yeah, everyone has their own path. Everyone heals differently. And some exactly. things are really incredible. I know like for me, like there are certain things in my life that have worked really well for me on my healing journey that no one else in my life right. <laughs> would like ever do or have tried and they're like yeah no not for me (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah totally and I feel like there's um you know the the thing it's all like all truth what is it like um paths are many truth is one something Mm -hmm. like that and it's like at the end of it all it's like the gems that you get from all these different tools and practices are often the same or you know or very similar yeah so like working with my clients to just like in the moment while they're talking about something to drop into their body to feel like what's coming up for them both emotionally but like literally on a sensation mm-hmm. level to like be able to recognize like where stuff is in their body mm-hmm. um, and learn to work with that like in their lives learn to go into it like so I talked about I tried for so long to be on an ascendant path with like positivity yeah. mantras like and I, I love that stuff totally there's a place if, for it not if we're glossing over things mm-hmm. because well, then it doesn't work then it's just another distraction exactly i call the work that i do more like a descendant path now like mm-hmm. where we go deep into the stuff mm-hmm. into the shadow into the darkness into the place where the healing i where i think the healing really occurs absolutely yeah i mean there's no light without darkness right exactly gotta go both ways (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah sorry to break it to you um but so yeah i mean to go back to answer your questions did it help me learn how to say no Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um but there's so much around it so it's like with with the practice itself, you know, there's a very basic way you can ask for an ohm. Like, would you like to ohm or would you like to have an ohm? Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing extra. And you can say yes or no. And we're just taught that. It just means if it's yes, it, it's yes. I want to do the practice. And it doesn't mean there's anything else expected. And if it's no, it's like, no, not right now. Unless the person explicitly says no, never ask me again. Uh-huh. And so there's this way that like both as the person asking or the person being asked that you, that you get so much um, freedom. Consent. Too. Consent yeah. is yeah. huge, but you also get freedom around hearing a yes or a no. And then you can like take that into your life. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're like trying to talk to a woman or a man somewhere that you meet like randomly or. That was what I wanted to ask. So is this, is it just man and woman or it doesn't, is gen, mm. does gender matter? Right, like totally. what about, yeah. Yeah. So. The person getting stroked, which, like, the stroking, by the way, just, like, happens with, like, the, the left index finger, of the stroker's uh, hand. Uh, the person getting stroked has to have a clitoris. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we have trans people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have to have female genitals. We'll say that mm-hmm. much. Stroker can be any gender, male or female, or anything in between. You just need to have a hand, a <laughs> finger, really. <laughs> and both parties, both people, a stroker and we call the other person stro- a strokey, mm-hmm. are deriving similar things from the practice. What we say is like both people are showing up for their own pleasure. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you, you have a cat, right? So, mm-hmm. like, when you, when, no, <laughs> when you like, pet the cat. Right. Yeah. When you pet your cat, like, your cat's all, like, happy and purring or, and enjoying it, right? But doesn't it feel wonderful to you to right. run your hands through her fur and just yeah. feel the warmth and feel that vibrating energy? <laughs> it's so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if, even if it's, like, not another live being, like, if it were a piece of velvet and mm-hmm. you're doing that same thing like you're not doing it for the velvet you're right. doing it for yourself Your own and sensation so, for, and so strokers stroke for their own pleasure but also like in my opinion they're just getting um a lot more than just that like yeah so because so the the first thing that you would the le- or the lecture that you had gone to it was a man who yes. was talking about that healing yeah so he got all of that healing through being the Stroker. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's like, uh, if we just talk about, you know, I'll just use gen, like man, woman for right now. If you talk about a man showing up to do this practice, not only is he, okay, stroking for his own pleasure in this way, that, that feels great. Mm-hmm. A lot of men describe it as like, you know, putting their finger into like a light socket. It's like, you know, there's a lot of electricity and energy. It's sexual energy. It's, it's amazing. You're getting access to that freely. That's that's great. That feels good. But then it's also like for 15 minutes, you're cultivating your attention on this one point where it's like in regular meditation, you would do it maybe with your breath mm-hmm. or with a mantra or whatever. Uh, you're doing it with the point of contact being the clitoris. You, all your attention there for 15 minutes. So you're developing amazing, deep attention in the same way that you would with other meditation. That translates out into your life when you're with somebody having a conversation and you can hear they're saying something. Mm-hmm. Maybe you feel like something underneath right. is, is being unset. Mm-hmm. Your attention is so steady and, and so refined that you, you actually like can feel that or say something about it or, you know, or at least you can just be with them mm-hmm. and be able to listen in a deep way, mm-hmm. even if it's like not about something being unsaid. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is like, you're sitting there for 15 minutes as a stroker and you're just feeling like whatever is arising through your body as you're, you know, stroking, as those sensations are moving through your body. I mean, just as if you were stroking velvet for 15 minutes, like, ooh, that like softness, that warmth, that tingling that runs up your arm. And just like in regular meditation, your mind does float away sometimes. Mm-hmm. Even with something as awesome as a clitoris in front of you. <laughs> and it triggers things. And for me, it's been like it triggers old memories, deeply, like, you know, buried things that I haven't been able to look at. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, because when I feel something, it's like they say smell will take you back to an old memory, right? Right. It's in the same way, like, sensation has that power, too. So right. There have been moments where, like, I feel a certain sensation, maybe, like, this, like, buzzing right under my right collarbone. I just made that up, but it's, like, and it reminds me of this time that my mom and I were having this experience, and it just takes me back there all of a sudden. And, of course, my work is to come back to the moment, but if it brings that up and elicits that memory... You know, later... Go back to that. Later or even yeah. right there, just through being with the sensation that is like coming up in me right. and just being with the stroke, I, I'm i somehow like moving that energy up and out. I'm like working with it. Maybe not in the head, heady way like you would in psychology, like going, like mm-hmm. talking about it, but you're 
moving that energy of what I call it is transmuting it, mm-hmm. transforming mm-hmm. it. Um, Have you heard one of my one of actually someone who I interviewed for this also or had a conversation with? Sometimes I don't like using the word interview, but <laughs> um, she's a somatic therapist, mm-hmm. and it sounds obvious. With obviously, it's very different, but it sounds similar in the sense of the she, when she was explaining it about. Um, asking the client like where in your body do you feel this like where what what's coming up and where and then like going through going deep into that spot and like going through that exactly sounds very similar very similar like I have a very real um story I can share with you quickly about having that experience in an ohm uh, where so I had um, so I ended it with checklist man, by the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> after starting to home and like realizing, um, well, connecting with my feelings, I just realized that there was no chemistry, despite the fact that he fit all of my requirements. Right. Well, requirements change. <laughs> <laughs> you need different things at different times. You need different things. <laughs> and also there just has to be like that feeling yeah, behind it absolutely, all. Absolutely. Like, yeah. A match on paper is not the same as like an energetic yeah. match. <laughs> So I ended it with him, <clears throat> and I started to date a, a guy that I had been friends with for two years, a British man that I had met, and um, living here. He, he was just here for a few months, living here, okay. <laughs> and then he moved back to to London, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we stayed friends. You know, would have WhatsApp conversations, Skype, you name it, and I really. I could feel like maybe he liked me. He's a little flirty, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you're in London. Like, We're I'm not attracted. <laughs> and I'm also like, I'm not attracted okay. to you. You know, <laughs> yeah. all these things. But he didn't meet my preferences. Was the thing. Mm-hmm. But as I developed like this um, feeling capacity in my body, I could feel that there was a lot of desire there from my end. And so anyway, I ended up getting in a relationship with him. For him for or him? F- oh, okay. For wow. Him. Yeah. It was like oh, no, this is not just friendship. Like, I've been denying mm-hmm. that I feel anything for a variety of reasons. And actually, like, the desire is really strong. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I, we ended up dating, I, you know, flying back and forth, all of that. But and he, so he and I um, uh, made some, some real long-term plans. Like, I, I thought I was going to marry this man. Uh-huh. Like, we were trying for kids. You know, oh, wow. it, it was like... You really went in. It was real. Wow. Okay, so... Um, oh, we ended it, however. I found out a lot of dark secrets that were withheld. Oh, no. Um, basically, he was married. Oh, no. <laughs> so no. There's, there's, no. there's a dark secret there. One of many. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and I ended it, eventually. And I laid on the floor I was a Skype conversation I broke up with him I laid on the floor for five minutes because I had been laying on the floor talking to him and I just like cried a little bit and then that was it five minutes I was done I, I went on a date that night so even though I had been oming for like a year and a half by that point I went back to my old pattern mm-hmm. okay shut down the emotion I let myself feel it a little bit uh-huh. more than I had in the past and I went right back to like seeking comfort in other men right I went on a date that night but I didn't end up sleeping with the guy because I could just feel like all that emotion was right there at the surface mm. and um, I went home and then I noticed the next day and for days and weeks after in my ohms 
like this deep discomfort in my body arising every time I would lay down for an ohm. Like mm. painful, like not just, oh, I'm uncomfortable, like sharp, stabbing sensations around my clitoris. Mm. It felt like glass mm-hmm. in my throat. I felt like something was clawing at me from the inside. It felt like a knot in mm. my chest. So I was like, oh my God, like maybe something's wrong with me. I started going to like the gynecologist and different doctors for you all types of, yeah, for yeah. all types of scans. They couldn't find anything. I developed these huge, um, well, my lymph nodes got really swollen like golf balls. And so I do all this natural work. So I did all this testing. Do I have a bacteria? Do I have a virus? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nothing. So here I am having this deep discomfort in my arms, having this physical symptoms manifested and i'm still like like what's happening happening?" (laughs) it's in my throat where where i should be my emotion should be coming right out from i like it it was a uti something and um i just remember i was like i need to stop oming like because maybe it's the lube like you know maybe it's i i was maybe it's the gloves maybe i've developed an allergy i don't know i made up a lot of stories, mm-hmm. excuses. And then I stopped doming for a while, and this all was not getting better. And uh, eventually, I did some work with EFT, the emotional freedom mm-hmm. technique, tapping and mm-hmm. saying stuff. And I got to this place where I hit grief. Like, it was, like, clear as day that it was grief that was stored in my body that yeah. I, had not, I had not let myself process. And I started crying hysterically like again a dam broke open again and i cried for for the whole night and finally after like weeks of these this problems with my lymph nodes the next morning they went down yeah but here's the funny thing i thought i was done <sighs> and i started oming again because i was like oh i'm better and the same sharp stabbing your discomfort. trust had been broken my trust had been yeah. broken my heart had been broken yeah. my the, like this vision for my life mm. that I was creating had right. like the rug had been just ripped out from under me. Yeah. Okay. So it was like oh, all the Julia. things. And I remember, but I, so I had talked with one of my teachers, one of the teachers who, who teaches Ohm about it. And they're like, well, you, you always have an option, right? So you, you stopped Oming for a while and you like disconnected from letting yourself feel that discomfort. And now you have a different choice to like go into the discomfort mm-hmm. and literally like go into it. Like, so in Ohm, we can make adjustments during, during the practice where we can say, can I have more pressure, less pressure? Can you move to the left, to the right, whatever. And so there's a way that if a sensation arises, we can follow it with the stroke or mm-hmm. we can like change the stroke to like avoid it or to get to a place where we're having um, just like a different sensation arise in us. And I decided, okay, I'm going to try to go in it. And I remember this one moment, this one ohm where I had this, like, I literally let myself go into it. And it was so uncomfortable, painful, sharp, horrible. And then I had this moment where it started to, like, melt away, that that sharp pain. Mm -hmm. And I had this sensation arise in me that felt like he was there with me. Like, it was like we were, I was having sex with my ex. Like, I just felt that, like soothing warmth in my heart and like in my chest down my arms tingling like just the feeling of like well the love i was gonna say of love but the love that we had when it was good right Right. 
and I started to sob again. I, you know, I learned to cry through them. So a yeah. lot of my healing has just been crying, crying for sure. A good cry is so good. But like I leaned all the way into it and I found that, and then my ohms for weeks were just that, like mm-hmm. discomfort, discomfort. And then sometimes, not always, but like cracking open to the space where like all the memories and all the things that I had with him were coming to the surface for me to uh, work with and so what you had said something that was the whole reason that I brought this up well you said the thing about the somatic um yeah yes yes. and it's like that was it like I wasn't necessarily like processing it like right well you were you're processing it right processing it through your body through my body yeah exactly and I mean I did you know do a lot of writing work and we call it inventory fear inventory where you Mm -hmm. write about the anger and the resentment and you know I've been working with a coach but to be honest even in those sessions I had been avoiding talking about it pretending I was fine and just focusing on some other things in my life right Um, and eventually I did start to talk about it Um, but like just moving the energy in my body going into it was profound it's mm-hmm. so like that has been my experience with them like wow. it, it allows space for that stuff to come up. so you're you are now a facilitator or you what is your coach or like right. explain yeah. that so i'm a i'm a om or orgasmic meditation trainer okay and um yeah a life coach also certified under them i it's like I'm figuring out the name, to be honest, right. they call it Ohm Life Coach, right. Orgasmic Meditation Life Coach. But I, I, because I don't have all of my clients learn this practice... Right. You do so much more. Um, I'm figuring out what I want to call myself. Mm-hmm. The name I've been playing with is Desire-Based Life Coach, mm-hmm. because a lot of what I'm doing is helping... So that's the other side of this, is helping my clients and myself, actually, uncover the true, deeper desires. Right. Because one thing that I realized for myself in trying to be at equilibrium or to be equanimous was not only was I suppressing my emotions, but I was suppressing all my desires. Right, right. Like, literally, I was in this place where I was like, I'm cool making, like, less than 20 grand a year because uh, oh. I have, like, a rent-stabilized apartment. Right. Like, I can save really well. I still can take a few trips a year. Like, I can still eat pretty well I'm single so I don't spend a bunch of money on you know I don't go out and drink mm-hmm. so somehow it's like I can I'm cool with making very little money I'm cool with like having uh, casual you know relationships I'm cool with it's like the baseline of just like mm-hmm. whatever I get is enough it's fine right and so I had been like actually suppressing my desires for more right. for like a thriving career for financial abundance for a real loving deep partnership yeah for all i mean like i had just been like whatever comes is okay even if it's a really horrible crappy experience it's here to teach me something i don't need anything more i don't need to aspire to be anything bigger than this and i actually had demonized a lot of the things that i did want when they would crop up and i would think Mm. about romance i'm Mm -hmm. like that's petty that's pathetic money or like thriving success like right that's ridiculous and so like you know, like such a Western way of thinking, I would really demonize all of my desires. And so like when, when I learned to go into my emotions and like heal, well, feel and heal in that place, I also got to feel all the beautiful mm-hmm. burgeoning like seedlings that were of desire that were living inside of right. me. Yeah. And now it's like I, I see them as 
gifts and actually I see them as gifts from whatever you want to call it, the divine or God, mm -hmm. like being given to me so that I can create something that I'm meant to create in this life. And um, I help my clients in the same way uncover that. So desire based. Life I like coach. that. That's amazing. Desire I'm, I'm, I'm playing with it. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Health and life coach. I'm not sure. <laughs> recreational? Is that what you just Tra said? Transformational. Oh, I was like, recreational. wow. Recreational. <laughs> not so much. Just playing. <laughs> um, so I just have two more questions yeah. um, around the ohm. So I guess, so how does it work? I know you've, you've sent me some stuff, but just to tell everyone else, like yeah. how it works with people who have gone through sexual trauma mm -hmm. and that type of like, I mean, for me, like the idea of, of going in and asking someone to do that is, is a totally. terrifying thing. And, and yeah. Mm -hmm. So how that works with people who've gone through sexual trauma, well, I guess we'll start there and then I'll okay, ask. Great. Yeah. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, well, okay. It feels like in some way, and it, this might be a little bit, uh, well, we'll see what people okay. think, but <laughs> it feels like everyone, to an extent, has some sexual trauma. Absolutely. Right? I mean, there's, like, really grave cases, mm -hmm. obvious cases, and then, like, just on some level, like, as women, with all the slut-shaming, mm -hmm. with, like, the daily encounters we face on the streets, mm -hmm. with, you know, advertising, the way our bodies are, you know, um, made into sex objects constantly trauma all mm -hmm. over and then for men you know it's like they're supposed to be a certain way right. like if they're more sensitive and not like interested in just like fucking every woman like they're ashamed so it's like there's and there and there's more you know there's so much more mm -hmm. since so on some level i think we all have some trauma around our sex i agree um, but i i to get you know what you're what you're asking and i think i mean there's first of all there's just a lot of amazing protocols around the practice mm -hmm which make it safe. safe. Yeah. And that includes like, you you know, learning the practice from the, the organization that teaches it or from a trained coach like myself. That includes um, following, uh, well actually, so I'll just say this, like if you do learn and you're a single person and you're like, oh my God, like how do I navigate doing this practice with strange men right. like, like I did in the beginning, like I still do because I'm, I'm not in a relationship. Um, it's like there's a, there's a whole filter that we have, like you have to go through that process to be trained officially. And then there's community pages that are, you know, private groups where only trained people can connect and interact with each other to set up um, ohms. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know that everyone on there knows the protocol, which is it's always 15 minutes. You always wear gloves. You know, you start um, in this fashion, you end in this fashion. There's like just certain things that are part of it. We're all taught that there's no commerce as part of the practice, which mm -hmm. means like no. it's not I'll do you, you do me. Oh, I'm going to stroke you and then you're going to pay me back after. Mm -hmm. We're explicitly all taught that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many other amazing like uh, philosophies around the practice. Um which would Do be like a whole other conversation. Do people get out, like if they don't follow so I, protocol? So, so I think it's a natural filtering system because we're, we're such a connected community. Right. Like we just talk with each other. Like I go to women's group through the, the organization every Sunday, mostly every Sunday, and I connect with all the other women. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's rare. I'll be honest, To be honest, I've never had like a really negative experience with an ohm. 
but I have, like, I did have an experience once where the stroker, I walked in and I had owned with him a few times and he had candles set up. You know, he made it a little romantic and I was like, hey, this yeah. is not part of the container. Right. Like, there's nothing extra practice. We do it with the lights on, no mm-hmm. music, no seducing, no nothing. And he got it. We had that, a, a really good conversation about it um, beforehand. And, it's, and it, it was just like if he had decided to violate my boundary there. Cause the thing is that we're learning as well is like how to create our own safety through right. learning boundaries, right. through learning good co- communication as well. Because right. if in that practice of laying down and getting stroked, I can learn to ask for exactly what I want. I can learn to do that in so many other ways in my life. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a big part of the work is creating, not only does the container of the practice, the protocol create the safety, but like you learn how to cultivate that within yourself for mm-hmm. your experience. Never have I heard a very negative experience where somebody had to get kicked out, but maybe something like a little off like that, where somebody, you know, can lovingly be adjusted in that way. Right. And then you end up making him or her a better practitioner. Mm-hmm. which is amazing. That's how it's been with any stories that I have heard, um, if that answers that. And then, if, you know, if somebody's got sexual trauma, I mean, the people uh, who run the organization, the higher-level senior practitioners have undergo a lot of trauma training and then actually now have um, special specialists <laughs> from outside of the organization who are experts in that, mm-hmm. who are available for community members for special courses you know for other and also you, i think what you had told me previously the the women who started it they are themselves or one of them was a sexual abuse survivor is that accurate oh, or um I, I don't think i mentioned that but actually it is true yeah. for several of the teachers that i know mm-hmm. that have you know experienced sexual abuse yes and absolutely. this is how they healed this is one of the ways of the that ways. they've healed, one yeah. of the most impactful ways. Yeah. Um, you know, with my own clients, because I have had this come up, and I have experienced myself sexual assault. Thankfully, nothing like, like rape ever. Mm-hmm. But I have experienced assault, and, you know, it, thankfully, with my clients where this same question uh, has come up, what the way I've navigated it is how I've just explained it to you, and then... Having you know other people who are more experienced in this right. also you know step in when appropriate and right. give them the, the resources they need, because just like a health coach, if if somebody were to come to me with a history of binge eating, right, that or that comes up later in our sessions, it might not be appropriate for me to deal with totally. them. I refer them to you. Yes, yes. Um, so part of the coaching. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so does that answer it? Sort yeah. Of? yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think the only other question that I had, and I think you answered it because you used uh, terminology when you said it. So it doesn't just have to be because for someone who goes to do this, who and maybe not even has experienced sexual trauma, but just a comfort. Yes. Does it have to be a male and a female or can it be a female and a female? Like if a woman feels more comfortable with another woman, um, is that available to them? Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a stroker can be any gender. Any gender, yeah. And I'll just be honest and say or that yes, most trans. of the strokers okay. are men, and mm-hmm. most of the strokies, well, are women, right. Right, or trans. Yeah. Because there might, you know, for someone who, like a lesbian or someone who's oh, yeah. very much not wanting 
the male touch. I just, yeah. Totally. If that's and there are, there are yeah. women in the community that are, okay. you know, lesbian. Cool. Thank you so much, Janira. Thank you. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, and it's I I'm always fascinated to hear more about it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. My and pleasure. yes, and thank you for coming and just chatting with me cuz I love you.